Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. The Lord, like, erased my message like four times. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What does, what does City Lights need today? What does City Lights need in their lives? And, and so he says, the presence and the glory of God. We chase after it. We yearn for it. We desire for it. Some of us flow in it supernaturally. And some of us are like, man, I want that too. And so we're thinking, I'm thinking, God, who in the Bible can I highlight that searched after the glory of God, that, that reached into the glory realm and said, I want, I want more. And we all know Moses did that, right? Moses searched God and he's like, man, I want more. I want more. I want to see your glory. And so um, I want to talk about Moses first. And then I want to challenge you to really reach in and, and say, where am I in the presence of God? How am I hosting the presence of God in my life? What am I doing to facilitate that presence? Is, are people being uh, touched? Are people being affected by it? Because I tell you what, when the glory shows up, things happen. I mean, miracles happen, blessings happen. I mean, there's no telling what can happen in your life when the glory of God shows up and sits on your life. And so um, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 33, uh, verse 12 through 23. And this is where we see God and Moses interacting. We see, I kind of want to set this up because I, I, I find it funny because God, God is talking to Moses and Moses is like, man, I don't know, Lord, but I don't know what's going on. So this is what Moses said. So Moses said to the Lord, you, ha, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send. So he's like, somebody's gonna send them, just not me, right? <laughs> so he said, he said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So he's reminding God that these are his people, right? So like God didn't know already. He's like, now God, I'm leading and you want me to lead these people. So I'm just reminding you that these are your people now. It's not my fault if they mess up. It's not my fault that if, you know, they screw up or walk around in the circle in the desert for 40 years. He didn't know that by then, but <laughs> so the Lord replied, verse 14 says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So obviously Moses was in toil because he's like, I haven't got any rest. I'm freaking out here. And God's like, relax, I've got this. And Moses is like, but I, I need you. He's like, calm down. I'll give you rest. And so then Moses said to him, verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So he's looking for a sign, right? He's looking for some sort of, of like high five from God saying, yeah, you're the guy. You're the guy that's going to lead my people into the promised land. You're my guy. And Moses is like, but I need proof that I'm your guy. And so um, let's see. Uh, verse, <clears throat> so let's read verse 15. It says, then Moses said to him, again, it says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me in your presence, or pleased with me, your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? 
stop there for a minute. So if God's glory is on you and God's leading you, there's gonna be a difference in your life, right? You're, you should stand out. You should be somebody that says, I wanna know what's up with that person. I wanna know what's different with that person because there is something different. What? It's the glory of God. You're carrying that glory. You're, you're like a vessel and God's presence is in you. And so... We talk in verse 17 says, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. He knows Moses by name. How many of you, God knows by name? Yeah, God knows us by name. Sometimes I don't want to hear when God says my name because that's usually a correction mode that God has for me. And so I'm like, oh Lord, he's got my name. <laughs> and so... Um, and so verse 18 says, Moses said, now show me your glory. Now, how bold is that really? How many of us have literally in the midst of disaster, in the midst of, of, of whatever we're going through, happy, sad, mad, whatever, ask God, say, God, show me your glory. I mean, sometimes we forget about that, right? We're like, oh God, just, just do this thing for me. No, I don't necessarily want him to, I want his glory to fall on the situation. I want his glory to fall on me. I want his glory impact whatever it is I'm going through in my life. I want God's glory to go with me everywhere I go. And so he says, show me your glory. And so the Lord says, all right. Verse 19 says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, verse 21, there is a place near me where you may stand on the rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in my cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. His glory was so powerful that it killed Moses at that moment. And Moses was like, I don't care. I just want to see it. Show me your glory. And so the glory was so impactful and so powerful. Moses was satisfied with just seeing the back of God, right? I'm like, man, that is powerful. You know, when the glory of God, when that happened, it changed his life forever. For the future and forever and ever. And so I wanted to tell you a little story about how the glory of God fell in my life. Just one of the stories. I have several, but... Um, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol for 12 years of my life, and uh, God set me free in a powerful, powerful way uh, 14 years ago. And um, God did something in my life that I can't even put into words. His glory fell on my life, and I've never been the same since. And so after that, we started a ministry called Lamb Ministries, and um, you know, it was I started getting invited to speak at places. And I'm like, I'm not, I was kind of like Moses, like, man, I don't want to go unless you go with me because I get tongue tied and I don't want to, you know, just speak in front of people. And, and God's like, I've got you, I've got you. So I get invited to an annual AA and NA meeting. How many of you know what those are? You know, Alcohol Anonymous and, and Narcotics Anonymous. Well, I got, I got invited to go to one of those a few years back. And uh, I was just supposed to share my testimony and share how uh, you could overcome and so I'm up there giving a great speech on how chemical dependence can affect your brain and, and your path. I was sounding really smart at that moment. 
And God drops in me and says, there's a guy here with left shoulder pain. I'm like, so? <laughs> I'm sounding really smart here, God. Come on. He's like, you need to call it out. And it's a word of knowledge. And I'm like, oh man, I don't want to call this out. This is an NA and AA conference. There's hundreds of people here. And they might think I'm weird. He's like, well, what difference does it make? <laughs> well, you got me there. <laughs> and so I just called out in the middle of my uh, speech. And I said, you know, there's a guy, person. I'm thinking it's a guy. And uh, they're like, yes, yes. And I said, um, he's got shoulder pain, shoulder pain. But let's just be specific. It's in the left shoulder. And this guy's like, I'm looking around. I'm like, this is awkward because there is nobody. They're like, you know, looking around. And, and I'm thinking, oh, this is awkward. Thanks, God, for embarrassing me <laughs> when I was sounding really smart. <laughs> and so... Um, this guy like raises his hand like this. And I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, I was like, you know what? God has something for you. His glory, his presence needs to fall on you. He's, I said, could you come up here for a minute? And at this point, I'm not in control of my mouth. And so, you know, he comes up here and all of a sudden it becomes a church service. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I just said, Lord, heal him in the name of Jesus. And I said, do you have any pain? He's like, oh my, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And he's up here just waving his like this. I'm like, calm down, go sit down. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And people are like standing, you know, at attention. They're like, well, what just happened? And I'm like, I don't know. God's presence just fell. And at that moment, just streams of, of tears just fell down my face. I said, does anybody else need delivered from drugs and alcohol in here? And hands just shot up. And I'm like, oh gosh. The presence of God fell in that room. And every AA and NA conference people tell me they go to, there are probably 85% out in the smoking section, smoking cigarettes, and they're like, yeah, this is boring. I'm just going to get my chips or, or whatever. But you know what? God impacted that meeting. And there were people coming up to the front. And I'm like, this is not church. This is like the Holiday Inn Convention Center and... Um, I'm praying for people. And so I just started just laying hands on people. I said, just heal them. And then people started falling out in the presence of God. And I'm like, oh my gosh, at an AA conference. <laughs> and so, and so this little old guy, he's like hunchback and he comes running up and I'm like, oh, here comes security. He's going to come and kick me out. <laughs> and he's like, I'm an usher at the church. I know what's going on. I'll catch for you. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, whatever, man. So I'm, I'm praying for people. People are falling out. And I was like, who wants to receive Jesus? And like people shot up their hands at that muddy inside. And a hundred people got saved and delivered from drugs and alcohol at that moment. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. You know, when God's presence falls, it's amazing. People become addicted to it. People come and want to chase after it. Why? Because things happen. Things happen in the presence of God. And I walked out of that meeting thinking, I'm never going to be invited back ever, ever, ever. And, and the next day, they say, hey, can you come back next year? I'm like, wow, okay, come back next year. And so, um, you know, it's just a... a, a a story of just how the presence of God just impacted just somewhere where you thought that it shouldn't. 
And um, <laughs> it, was, it was just amazing to me because I was in there with a, a, a specific plan, a, a specific moment, and you know, I, needed to, I needed to do what I was, was asked to do. And you know, I'm in the hotel room calling my wife, and she's like, no way that just happened. I'm like, yes way that just happened. And she's like, that's amazing. And I'm like, this is a two day thing. I don't know what's happening tomorrow, but (laughs) something's going to happen. That's amazing. (laughs) So, but, um, I wanted to talk about a story in the Bible that, um, is, is pretty similar because, um, nobody really has heard of this guy until second Samuel happens. And, um, his name is Obed Edom. How many of you ever heard of Obed-Edom? So, like, he's like my favorite ever. <laughs> and so I think this story is probably the best, the best picture of what, um, of what we need to do. And so let me set this up for you a little bit. So this is after King David had a battle with the Philistines, and he was trying to take back the Ark of the Covenant. And, and so... Um, he had a whole army and he defeated them and he had this Ark of the Covenant. So we start in Second Samuel uh, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, David again brought together all the able men of Israel. 30,000, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, 30,000 men? For what? To bring back the presence of God? We're going to see something here. And so verse 2, it says, and, and all his men went to Bala in Judah and to bring up from there, the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim and the ark. They set the ark on God, of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinad, which was on the hill. Usah and Oiah, sons of Abinad, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Iowa, I'm not a Greek scholar or Hebrew, so... You have to bear with me, <laughs> was walking in front of it. David and all the Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castings, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Man, they had like a full band going on. That's what that means. They were praising God. They're like, man, this is awesome. We got the Ark of the Covenant and we're gonna bring it back to the rightful place, the city of David. We're gonna go and we're gonna have this Ark and we're gonna, we're gonna host the presence of God and we're gonna treat it the way it needs to be treated. And so verse six, it says, when they came to the thresh, threshing floor of Nakan, Usah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. So, Usa, the, the name Usa means strength or strong. And so they put the strongest guy up there to make sure that nothing happened to it, right? And so um, when they saw that, the ark of the God, because of the oxen, they, it stumbled. So verse seven says, the Lord's anger burned against Usa because his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Verse eight says, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Usah. To this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. Usah. Verse nine says, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom, the Gideonite. So my first question in this is, how did he chose Obed-Edom? You know, did he take a survey around town and say, hey, who is the most responsible to host the presence of God, to put this thing on their front lawn? And they're like, this guy right here, 
this guy because they already saw that God struck Usa down, right? And he's dead. And so they're like, I don't want that responsibility. I don't even know if they may have liked Obed-Edom. They may not have. So they're like, hey, this guy right here, this guy, he looks responsible or we just don't like him. He's a horrible neighbor, one of the two. And so you know, they put this presence of God plop right in his yard. Now, Who's going to protect it? I mean, this is a valuable thing. I mean, this is amazing. The presence of God is there. And they're just going to put it in somebody's yard. It's like having a Lamborghini and it runs out of gas and you just push it over to the side in the ghetto and say, hey, could you watch this for me? I'll be back in 90 days. And you're expecting it to have wheels on it or even there. I mean, that's pretty trustworthy. And so I think David's like, who's the, who's the man of the God? Who's man of God here? Who's the one that has the fear of God in them? And somebody says, Obed-Edom. He knows the fear of God. He's like the neighborhood guy when you go and something's happening. He's like, you need to pray for me, Obed. You need to pray for me. And he does. That's what I think. You know, David just didn't, David was a, a man of God and he was smart, so David probably did his research. He probably went door to door in and says, who's the guy that's going to host my presence in the safest manner? Who's going to watch over this in the safest way? And they're like, yeah, Obed-Edom, he's your guy. He's your guy that's going to do this. And so, you know, how many of us would take that chance? After seeing God strike somebody down to die because they were doing the whole transporting the ark in the wrong way anyway, and God killed him. I don't know if I'd want that responsibility. I mean, I'm pretty picky about my yard anyway. I mean, I'm like, that's going to leave a burn spot. Move it on. Kind of thing. I don't, I don't want that responsibility when I was there. But you know what? It becomes something that, that uh, we need in our lives is the presence of God. So you know what? In, verse, in 2 Samuel 6.11... It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gideite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now, that's a big thing right there, his entire household. That means his finances, his livestock, his family, his extended family, everything. His entire household was blessed. Wow. Yeah, that means his livestock was plump, healthy, ready to eat, ready to sacrifice, whatever the call was there. It was ready. It was preem, supreme. It was like grade A quality meat kind of thing. Yeah. And then his entire, his, his, his wife was blessed. He was blessed. He had finances pouring in. He wasn't called a plumber, never had to call an electrician, nothing because everything was blessed. For 90 days, he had this blessings because why? He knew what the presence of God was all about. The presence of God showed up in his yard unexpectedly and he took care of it. He learned how to facilitate it. He learned everything about it. And so after three months, David got word that, man, this Obed-Edom guy, he was being blessed. I mean, his socks were being blessed. And he's like, we need to go get it. I want the presence of God where it needs to be. So guess what? They went and got it. And they danced and they did it the right way. They, had, they carried it in to the city of David. And you know, David danced like a fool in front of it because he didn't care. The presence of God, he was ushering it in. And why? 
because God said, and he was obedient. And God blessed King David. And you know what? His wife thought he was a crazed person for dancing in a knapsack. Pretty much he was darn near naked, dancing in front of the presence of God, ushering in the presence of God, uncontrollable, unhindered dancing. I mean, I can't dance. And so they call it like the ugly dance. And so, I mean, it was probably, it didn't matter. Who's going to say, King David, you did an ugly dance. He's like, you're dead, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) King David was unhindered. He didn't care about anything else except the presence of God. And so David needed people to, uh, once David got into the resting place and he said, okay, guys, we need to treat the presence of God like the presence of God. And we need to do, uh, we need to usher it in. We need to do whatever it takes. So I need a show of hands. Who wants to volunteer to do some things? And because the presence of God left Obed-Edom's house, Obed-Edom's like, you know what? I don't want to be without the presence of God. So guess what? Honey, pack it up. We're moving. Because he experienced blessings. He experienced the blessings of the presence of God. So he says, wherever the presence is, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Can you imagine uprooting your life, leaving your home and saying, I'm going to go after the presence. Wow. We see that in the New Testament where the disciples, they left everything. They left everything. When Jesus called the disciples out from the seashore to the boat, they're like, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They didn't say, who are you? Who's this weird guy calling us to the shore? (laughs) They jumped out of the boat, got the oars, started going. Said, I'll follow you wherever. How do they know he was not just some guy pulling a con? Because the presence of God was on him. They knew, they knew. They're like, there's something about that guy all the way in the lake from the seashore. He's like, there's something wrong. There's something different with that guy. I want to know more. Jumping out of the boat, swimming, dripping wet, saying, I'll follow you because I see the presence on you. I'm not even sure what that is, but his presence. And so Jesus didn't have to say too much. He just showed, he demonstrated the presence of his father. That's amazing to me. We have that same opportunity to demonstrate the presence of God in our lives. Jesus, it says that Jesus lives in us. So we go, Jesus, let's do this kind of thing. You know, I mean, come on now. And so uh, back to Obed-Edom. So Obed-Edom said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be in the presence of God. So they went on the journey. And with the final resting place, King David's like, all right, we need musicians. Who wants to play music in the area of the ark? He assigned a couple and Obed-Edom's like, that's me. Pick me, pick me. He's like, all right, can you play anything? He's like, I don't care. I just want to be in the presence. I'll just, I'll do whatever it takes to be in the presence of God. So Obed-Edom was a musician and he ministered and he was singing praise and songs and spiritual hymns to the Lord. And then David's like, okay, it's getting kind of messy around here. We need some doorkeepers. Doorkeepers are janitors or porters. And so he says, we need somebody to clean up around this place. 
So I need a pick and Obed even's like, right here. I'm your guy. I'm your janitor. I'll clean up around the presence of God. He's like, okay. So Obed-Edom was willing to do anything to be in the presence of God. And then he's like, I need people to minister. I need, a, I need people to minister to, to the people that are coming in. The, I, need, I need ministers. And so he assigned a few and then Obed-Edom's like, this guy, I'll be the minister. And David's like, you again? He's like, yeah. I want to be near the presence. I don't want to leave. I don't, because my family experienced the blessings of God. So I want to continue that. I want to continue those blessings. I want to continue the favor of God in our lives. So guess what? He was a minister. And so he ministered. And then David's like, well, I need the, I need the door. I need the gatekeepers. Obed Edom, where you at? He was already volunteering. <laughs> the gatekeepers are the watchmen, the security. And so they're like, hey, are you clean enough to come in? Or, you know, they wanted to make sure that nobody was going to take it. Nobody was going to disrupt it. Nobody was going to try to disrespect it. So he volunteered. He's like, man, I'm that gatekeeper. He filled a lot of roles. He filled a lot of positions. And he was still blessed. It never says that the blessing stopped in his life. It says his entire household. Why? Because he wanted the blessings of God. He wanted the glory of God in his life continually, 24-7, every single day. It didn't matter what the job was. It didn't matter what he had to do. He says, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I want to be there. I want to be that guy. I want to have the presence of God in my life. So the million-dollar question today is, how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Do you want to usher in the presence of God? Do you want to have the presence of God in your life? Do you want the glory of God to fall on your life where God wants so desperately to change your circumstances, to change your life, to change everything about you? When God set me free from addiction, I was unrecognizable. I was thinking, man, I'm going to run into somebody that I know that, you know, that knows me from the past. We were walking through Walmart. And I prayed, I said, God, you need to change me so I'm so unrecognizable to people that nobody would ever know. I used to do drugs with these guys every single day, every moment, every hour. Walked right by them, they had no idea who I was. I was shaking my No idea who I was. And I turned around, I'm looking at them, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. God is so good. God is so good. I want all of us to experience that presence of God. I want all of us to allow God to just change us from the inside out. How desperate are we really? Do we want to have that occasional encounter with God or we do we want a continuous encounter with God? I tell you what, your work is going to be so much easier, less stress, so much because you're blessed. Can we all stand can I get a little bit of mood music? <laughs> a lot of times we pray for God to change circumstances, to change our directions in life, to change our kids, to change everything. But the one person he's asking to change is us. He's like, you change for me? and I'll change whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. And it's a scary place to be because you become vulnerable. 
You become so vulnerable that only God can reach in and make it and set it right. God says, just trust me. Just trust me because you're worthy of carrying the presence of God. Don't worry, if you touch it, you're not gonna die. If you touch it, the old man might die. The old man might die. You know, when God said that the old is gone, the new has come, I'm thinking to myself, what does that even look like? And God gave me this picture of a snake. I'm like, God, I hate snakes, thanks God. But he showed me this snake, how it sheds its skin a little bit at a time. He says, this is what I wanna do to my people. I wanna shed off their old life. Shed off everything that resembles them. And I wanna put on everything that resembles me. And so that skin slowly comes off. And it's a process. Everybody hates processes, but it's an essential thing to happen. The process needs to take place for God to penetrate everything in your life. So as that skin's coming off, I'm sure that snake's like, I wish it would just come off in one shake and be done. But it comes off, it's a process, and that skin is new and it's beautiful and it's, it's everything the snake's hopes and dreams and wanted it to be. And after that snake finally sheds it off, he moves on. And oftentimes the wind blows and carries it along. I have never once in my entire life seen a snake try to crawl in the skin that it just shed. Ever. But for some reason, we try to. We try to crawl back in. We try to jump back in the old ways because why it's familiar. It's comfortable. But God never asks us. Nowhere in the Bible did God said, be comfortable anywhere. Nowhere did God say try. Both Greek and Hebrew. Never says try, it says do. So I'm asking you this morning is, will you do that? Will you shake off the old self and allow the anointing to fill everything that you may be missing? The glory of God to fall and change everything that you've wanted to be changed? Will you allow that to happen this morning? Will you allow God to do something that you've maybe been praying for, for maybe months, years, days, hours? Will you allow God to do something in your life that he's wanted to do your whole life? All he wants to do is have you surrender. Just surrender. hard thing but it's possible God wouldn't ask us to do it if it wasn't possible thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast we appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you you can visit us on Sundays 10am at 4100 20th Street in Greeley be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests receive info on special events and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.